This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to Screen Talk. We have a great show today. I am interviewing the very talented Tom Basden. He's currently in a show on BBC Two at the moment called Quacks. We think they've got the entire series up on BBC iPlayer as well. He's a very talented man. I've known him years. He's a writer, an actor, a comedian. He's even a musician. It's sort of annoying how good he is. He has also had the show Gap Year out this year. We'll talk a bit about that. And of course, he's one of the co-creators and writers of plebs on ITV2. He's picked two brilliant songs from films. The first one coming up is from the film Sweet and Low Down, the Woody Allen film. If you've never seen this film, go and check it out. Try and find it online somewhere. Sweet and Low Down, it's one of the ones that kind of went a bit under the radar, which happens to late era Woody Allen, starring Sean Penn as a 1930s, I think 30s, jazz musician. And this is from that film. Wonderful. From the film, Sweet and Low Down, right? Yeah. Hello, Tom. Hi. How did you... What, what made you pick that one? Um, I think it's one of the only soundtrack albums that I own. Um, so I, I just used to play that song quite a lot. Um, and I think it's kind of the... i tell you what it is. It's the only bit of jazz that I think I really like. I've tried with jazz quite a lot, and I've never really got very far. But that, but, but guitar jazz, from, particularly from that film, I really like. What is that the sort of Django Reinhardt yeah, thing? Exactly. What is that era? It's not like it's not um, like bluegrass, is it? That's a bit more sort of country. No, but, it's it's sort but, of I, but equally, I don't really know what you'd call it. Is it like sort of gypsy guitar? Is that what they know. call it? I imagine you're so annoyingly talented that I imagine you could probably play that. No, I'm, I'm annoyingly for me. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty amazing. Um, one of the good sort of late era Woody Allen films where Sean Penn is the obnoxious um, uh, jazz player. And yeah. I believe he actually learned to play it en- well enough so that it could be his fingers yeah, yeah, yeah. in shot. That is pretty incredible. It's, it's a weird, it's an outlier as a good late era Woody Allen and a good Sean Penn film as well. Mm. There, there you go. Yeah, there's two uh, two things to its uh, to its name. I think I've liked one Woody Allen film in every five for the last ten years, which would be two films uh, by my reckoning, or three if you count the very beginning of each. Thing. Yeah, no, it's yeah, fair enough. Vicky, Vicky Christina yeah, Barcelona is pretty good. good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there was one, and the one uh, in Paris, the time travel one. No, yeah. Did you like that one? Yeah, I like that one. I struggle with that. Did one. you? But there was a, there was one that I saw. Whatever works, the Larry David one, which uh, went, know, went completely under yeah. the radar. That was actually quite fun. Okay. But it's really weird because it's Larry David sort of being Woody Allen, but very much being Larry David because he's not really yeah. an actor. He's just Larry David, um, which is good because better than yeah, doing great. the Kenneth Branagh, literally doing an impression exactly, of exactly. Woody Allen, which was exactly. bizarre. But in in fact, um, the, uh, my favourite Woody Allen film probably is Bullets Over Broadway, which is in some ways. Oh my god! Ever. Thank you. That is my favourite. Is it? Yes. I've never. Whenever I say that to people, they just think I'm like. No, it's an incredible film. It's so good. Genius. But that's late. I mean, that's that's like mid nineties. Must yeah. be. Yeah. Well, he had a bit of a run again in the mid nineties with 
you know, uh, everyone says I love you. Yeah. Uh, Manhattan murder mystery. Yeah. Bullets over Broadway. Yeah. Af- Mighty Aphrodite deconstructing Harry. That was like that yeah. was an amazing. I mean, he, that's true. Yeah. It was I was a good run. That I was reading about him. His latest film. Let, let's put aside any personal is stuff. Is it okay if I sip tea? Of course. Uh, sip it, sip away. It, sip okay. away. As long as you don't speak and sip at the same time, that will be more problematic. Just if you want, to, if your producer say was going to edit them out, yeah, like, what, edit all the, the sips. sips. Yeah, yeah, right. And you didn't. We'll want just them. release the sips Fine. every time you sip. Fine. Put that together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking about it. I was thinking, who else? Even even forgetting his personal life and the shit films he's made. Yeah. What other fa- uh, filmmaker has made a film every year for like forty years? And also, you think about how crazy people go for the likes of Terence Malick, and you go, "Well, that's sort of fine." But he's made about five films, and even then, like Some two them, or three of them are great. But, yeah, but other than they're not that, all pumped they're really aren't not. They? But people sort of hold him up as a genius. Yeah, and you know, it's strike rate. Woody Allen is still really up there. He really is. And so if, yeah, if he, I guess if he was a bit more thoughtful, if he made one every three years now, <laughs> if he just thought about his career a bit more, <laughs> he might get somewhere. No, yeah. So Tom, uh, I was sort of looking at some stuff about you, which I didn't really need to do because I know you well. And uh, but I, uh, it suddenly dawned on me that the last time we probably hung out at all was ten years ago at the Edinburgh Festival. I specifically remember yeah, you, me, and Arnab Chanda sitting in a some sort of late night bar somewhere, bitching and moaning about the festival and everything we hate about Sounds it. And then right. the next morning, you woke up to a nomination for your show. Oh, the really? Same, yeah. And I remember looking at that, and after I slagged you off for a bit, I <laughs> said, uh, well, he's probably got a different opinion on the festival now. And then you went on to win The Newcomer, which yeah. was pretty amazing. Um, I was like, I used to love your songs and your your live stuff, and it feels like, in my memory, that you did that, won an award, and then write, I'm not going to bother with that anymore, uh, and just... Yeah, I mean a, a little bit. I think I think you know what it was like, as you as you probably remember with with my songs, a lot of them are really really short, mm. and um, like thirty seconds. If and stuff, that, yeah. yeah, and and actually, I, I I do kind of think comedy songs work best really short yeah. because you sort of get the joke and then you get bored of them, and. Um, and what it meant was that just writing an hour of songs just took almost all year. So it got to the point after my second Edinburgh show, which didn't go as well as my first, but it was sort of fine, that I just couldn't really, I, I couldn't really bring myself to write another show. And equally, I sort of had other stuff I wanted to do. Yeah. But it wasn't like I could write a show in a couple of months. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. I just, I think... It's like doing one-liners rather than routines. You've just got to fill up so much more yeah, time. Yeah, I think it, it is like that, really. With additional chords. Also, because yeah, I've done comedy songs as well, and like, do you not find sometimes that you just can't think of a topic to fit the tune you've written? Or <laughs> I'm like, this just, uh, just what do is an instrumental comedy yeah. song? Yeah, why not? Yeah, that's a good. It's idea. a good time filler. I yeah, always thought yeah. it'd be funny if a drummer left a band and went on tour with solo and played all the songs of, like, say, Bon Jovi's drummer went and played, but none of the other instruments. He played all their hits, but just the drum parts. I think you'd have a few complaints. 
things. <laughs> it depends how it's marketed. <laughs> or people were like, whoa, I love this one. I yeah. love this. Um, so, you, yeah, there's no plans to ever do more of that uh, sort no, of stuff? No, there's, there's not no plans, as in there are plans. Yeah. Uh, there aren't plans, but it's... Uh, but I'm not <laughs> saying... On, where are we with but this? I'm not saying that Are there plans or no plans? There are no, there are, okay. There are no plans, but I might. But there is a desire, maybe. Yeah, I would, I would like to go and do another live show at some point. And, in fact, I'd like to do one that wasn't sort of based around music because... Mm-hmm. It, that does feel like a slightly young man's game in some way, like musical comedy. It feels it feels a little bit glib now to me. I'll tell Tenacious D that. Well, I think you or should tell uh, them. That. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, um, are they still doing it? I, th- I don't know. Actually, I think they re- I mean, did I love release. That that's <laughs> you're looking for the biggest musical comedy I that you could I, think of. Well, I also couldn't think of anyone older. Mm. who's probably um, yeah 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 I don't know Tim Minchin's getting on a bit yeah but you see he's kind of stopped isn't yeah. he yeah he just earns shed loads of money doing musicals <laughs> uh, so what about the stuff you used to do, do with Tim have you still sort of kept an yeah, eye in that fire yeah we still do stuff together I mean Tim um, King I mean I always try and write stuff for him and um like find parts for him and stuff that I do. Um, so, because Tim, this is Tim Key we're talking about. Yeah. He um, he was in your recent show Gap Year That's as well, right? right? Yeah. As a regular, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is this like because he's got something on you, or are you just like watching him say your words? Um, I I think he's just really funny, and yeah. so I he's one of those people that you just get an extra fifteen percent out of what you've written from him. Yeah, and also he'll just he'll just throw stuff in that you haven't written that's much better than what you have. So I, ju- I, I, you know, it's a bit of a no-brainer for me. But also because I know him so well, I can write for him a bit. Mm. Which, as you know, with when you have like when you're close to people who who are performers and you kind of have them in your head when you're writing it, it's just it's quite heartbreaking if they don't then do it. Yeah, that's true. You get so attached to that person. Yeah. What, sometimes even worse is that you've written a part for someone that you just think is perfect for it. They come in and read, and it just doesn't. And you're like, what? Yeah. That's but I wrote weird. it for you. <laughs> Yeah. How dare you? Did you have that on How Not to Live Your Life? Yeah, for the lead character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so, yeah. yeah I good for you for persevering. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say that, but uh, you know, my own personal feeling is that it was something that I felt I got better at as time went on. So, in a way, maybe there's some harsh truth to that. <laughs> uh, did you? Um, when were you not tempted to write yourself a part in Gap Year? Um, yes, I was, and there was a part I was going to play for a while, but. Um, I, I, the, the writing of the show became a bit unruly and I had to basically write it during mm-hmm. filming and what? so yeah but so there wasn't really a, a way of being but how long well. was it in development for? Um, I mean it, it, I guess it had been, been going for about two and a half three years before it was commissioned but it would be sort of it wouldn't be intense it would be sort of there'd be periods of writing and periods of waiting is this on spec or were you being no, paid this to? is this is um, a channel for commission yeah um, and then when we came to make the series um we started shooting with maybe uh, two two and a bit scripts written right um and Why? I ate, 
why why <laughs> i'm trying to think it, of a more articulate question uh, but just I, why I, I, I don't know i mean i think well i do know and i could give you um an answer to that but i think it would be really boring and take on the whole show this is this would be my guess you've put so much work into making that first episode right and good and probably a gazillion notes from the channel mm-hmm. that you almost neglected the rest of the series yeah that's pretty much right that's yes. a good summary i mean uh, to be fair i could have okay i could have talked about <laughs> that no that's about that's about right but even then i mean that episode one got rewritten quite a lot anyway after that um but it's it was more like it was just impossible to get ahead that was the main thing right that that if you're being if you're kind of being noted all the time then there comes a point when you just have to give up on the idea that you're going to make progress on something you haven't yet written you know what i mean you, yeah, you're, yeah. all you're doing is you're just working on the stuff that's already on paper that sounds like so the sort of thing that would tough. give me an ulcer to be honest yeah it was pretty tough but then you know so for people that um you know don't know what we're talking about we're talking about your show gap year that yeah. was on e4 earlier this year yes uh, about i mean it's the, if they haven't worked it out but uh, about <laughs> young people and their gap year yes. in which country were they well they started in china and they mm-hmm. ended up in Nepal via Malaysia and Thailand mm-hmm. and Vietnam and places like that. And so that whole thing of not having the the episodes that they're going to shoot later written yet is sort of actually what they do in America anyway, yeah, but it, right. they'll have 12 people to do it rather yeah. than just... Was it just you? No, it wasn't just me. There were there were, there were several other writers, of which Tim was going to be one of the writers. Okay. Um, no, there were a bunch of us. Um, but it, it, I think it kind of the buck stopped with me a little bit. Right, you created uh, it, right? It's your yeah, your yeah. thing. Yeah, so th- there'd kind of come a point where, with almost all the episodes, it became a bit of an emergency, and I was required to sort of step in a little bit, or kind of forced to step in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was just a, it was a tough thing all round. Yeah, it doesn't know? sound. I mean, you're not selling it. No. You're not selling the job then, of a writer. Well, okay, to put it this way: I was, I was in service departments in Kuala Lumpur and sort of on beaches in Thailand, and you know that's why you got the, so far behind, wasn't it? Beijing. That's a part of the reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's part of the reason. Did um, so. I, I, Knowing your work in the past and like knowing uh, the stuff you did with Cowards and, and Tim and stuff, in a way, it's kind of weird that you've ended up with two big shows that you've created on, well, maybe it isn't weird to you, but on ITV2 and E4, which are sort of quote unquote youth channels or something. Is, did you, do you have to at all adapt your, your sort of natural instinct of writing for, like, do you get notes saying, listen, you know, it's just not very ITV2? Or do, does, are you surprised that your writing just works really well for those? Um, so on E4, there was a bit of that. Yeah. There was a little bit of... like there, we, To give you an example, on E4, we had a thing quite early on where one of the characters, who is played by Janine Garofalo in the show, mm-hmm. was meant to work for a, a guidebook, like a sort of rough guide type thing, and she was a writer for a guidebook. And then we got... And then later on, she comes back, and, um, you know, there's people are pretending to work for the rough guide and stuff. And we got a note very early on from Channel 4 going... Guidebooks are a bit passe, so <laughs> for our E4 audience, this has to be a website. And we were like, well, "What? what but is guidebooks it? still exist, right?" Well, guidebook sales have gone up and up in the last three or four years. They're about the only thing in publishing that is still making tons of money yeah. and improving. But nevertheless, we got this note, and you, and so then that kind of steered loads of not just the dialogue around it, but story 
where you you kind of have to have people explaining that they are from a website I mean we actually ended up not doing it very much right. as a story because it doesn't really make a lot of sense because also what website did you this? yeah did you not come up with some like counter arguments like maybe we can do lots of jokes about people going what guidebooks still exist or did you just go uh, right that's what it, they want it became a sort of it became one of those notes that um, it was it was made clear to us that we can't really okay. argue with it so does that mean you had to do a load of other like uh, social media sort of Instagrammy references because no, I mean, it's for that that sort of thing is kind of I've I've found is fine really I haven't I haven't felt the sort of pressure yeah to um, just kind of mention some Kardashians and, and Instagram and things. Um, and in fact, plebs is completely immune Instagram to all that stuff. Plural. Yeah, I don't know. But um, <laughs> no, I, I think that. no. ITV two. How many Instagrams really, do you have? Uh, but you say that I don't. I don't do it. Well, I don't this know. Is, this is funny. You should say that because my producer Natalie was saying. Um, you know, she likes to do a little bit of research on who's coming yeah. in. She's like really like she came in to tell me like Donald Trump's just been shot or something. She went. Tom Basden doesn't have a Twitter. Yeah, that's <laughs> and right. there was like a. There was like you could you could feel wow. the tension in the room. Like she'd said, Tom Basson doesn't have a penis, and people were kind like, oh, of. But more wow. more surprising than that. Really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you ever had Twitter? No. What is it? Uh, do you know? I have. I already had some respect for you. Yeah. I now Down. have. No, way More up. In the way, end. I love that you've not got Twitter. I love that you've never even done it. Because I do it. Well, I don't even do it. I, I barely tweet, but I have yeah. an account. Because this voice in my head goes, well, you have to. Otherwise, what yeah, happens if yeah, you yeah. want to do a tour next year? You've got to sell tickets. Yeah, but you or... see, I, I've never done a tour like that. So I, 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 pro I would probably be like you if I'd done that. Yeah. I don't, it's not a kind of really um, pioneering kind of moral stance or anything. I'd, no, but I'd love to say that it was, but it's, it's more just that I've never had reason to and I'm quite lazy. You're definitely not lazy. Okay, no, but I'm, I'm lazy in that respect. Um, I know what you mean because I feel like and every time I ever like do work on live shows and that need tickets or or thinking about a career thing you know people always you've got to be more active on social media and it's like it mm. just isn't me I'm not someone that thinks of things to tweet about it just doesn't yeah 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 I just don't give a shit about telling everyone something I've just seen yeah and well I'm probably you know losing millions and millions of pounds maybe <laughs> maybe and you I don't definitely know. I are. don't know what kind of career you and I could have in an alternate reality where we're huge on Twitter yeah um, yeah it's funny though because it's it's one of the few things where over the years I've sort of had to justify not doing something in a way that like usually or ordinarily it would be the other way around that if you sort of choose to do something mm -hmm. then people go well, why have you done that but in this situation I have to choose I have to justify the fact that I've not chosen to do yeah. something it's, it's quite weird yeah and PR people that I, in the past have been have treated me like I was genuinely mad yeah or you're being deliberately yeah you know yeah um, difficult yeah right why, right why why wouldn't you do it I mean yeah. it's easy yeah. You, yeah but I think are you on any other social media well I, I do have a Facebook page yeah um, but I don't I don't really do anything with it um I don't know. I, I, do you know what? I think it's. I I get really annoyed having to respond to emails. Do you? Yeah. I, it just, okay, that explains a lot from when I was trying to get you on the show. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what it does? Though? It does, doesn't it? 
No, but I and it's like, not, does this guy not like me anymore? No, I mean, it, I know I've not seen him in a long time, but I, I kind of I'm, I'm I'm sort of quite in my own head when I work. Yeah, and um, and it means that when I sort of start work, which I think of as like opening a computer, I just I just want to get on with the stuff that's in my head and. and it's part of the reason why my wife and I moved to China for a year and a half because I was no, yeah, no I was one emails you till 5pm and you don't get Facebook, you don't get Twitter. It's brilliant. I was going to ask you about this because we, we obviously have mutual friends and things, but Sam Leifer, who directed some of my show and you write plebs with, he, I remember him once saying to me, oh, um, you know, Tom's gone to China for a year, like a bit annoyed because it means you're yeah. obviously not going to be... Yeah, he was quite annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've got a show to write and you've just pissed off to China. Yeah. Um, he, uh, it was, you know, it's obviously the access thing he, he, you're not going to be on the end of a phone in like a second or whatever yeah and I was really I think I was going through a bit of a tough time with writing and, and just work and stuff and you I was thought like, I should go to I China I should go to China <laughs> I could be big in China no I just thought this haven for writers yeah. <laughs> all the greats come out of mm. China in uh, British TV comedy <laughs> oh yeah but I, I was like how do you I always wanted to ask you this I never never really had an opportunity but do you not ever get this like paranoia that you out of the loop by doing something like that do you just not care uh, I don't know what the loop is though like I mean uh, <laughs> I, I, yes don't, I, I don't know what the loop is but you know like not being around for auditions or someone wants I don't know I mean uh, you know I presumably guess, I guess if, if I was if I was really if I was in a, in a phase where I wanted to act more then yes I would feel like that definitely yeah um, if I'm just writing and I've got something to write and I know that I have to write it then I, I kind of only see it as helpful um, in that I, I do get thrown off course by things and I do kind of get quite stressed about the idea of, of, of the loop I suppose or, yeah. or, or whatever that is um, it's good to get out of the loop so like a couple of years ago I went to LA for about 36 hours and did a, a sort of 15 meetings in that time Yeah, and there was something you about you wrote a lot in that time as <laughs> yeah, well yeah, <laughs> there's something about the fact that in most cities the billboards are for sort of toothpaste or Toyotas and in LA it's all for TV shows and films there's yeah. something about that yeah. that made me just get incredibly stressed and and completely um, paralysed me in terms of like my ability to, to think properly or kind of like have any kind of sense of normality because I think I think I do I do get um, a bit phased by that kind of status anxiety or that kind of career anxiety yeah. so I just need to I need to take myself away from it or I, or I won't do anything well I, I'm sort of both pleased and um, like shared um, empath empathetic yeah. of what you just said because part from afar it looks like you just don't give a shit about that like you're, no, you're I, cool I, I, would, I could lie but, to you and say that's what it yeah. is but I'm I mean look I've done comedy for fuck's sake like you, clearly a big part of my personality is wanting to be liked by people mm. so like I'm, I'm definitely not a kind of James Dean figure in the comedy writing world who <laughs> doesn't give a shit that's why I had you down yeah well, I appreciate that, that. I definitely down. not it's more that I just I just know I know that it'll it'll mess with my head. If like, like going on Twitter, I know that it'll I know it'll mess with my head. See, I I have all those things, but not the willpower to not check it or look or go to LA and curse at all the other people's yeah. billboards and or like Facebook or whatever. But yeah. it's the uh, yeah, it's like it sucks me in. Sometimes yeah. I can avoid it, but. Oh, what, so what do you do in um, 
China. How was your day-to-day life there, and where were you? Where were you based? Um, so we were in Beijing for six months, um, and there we'd do like language lessons in the morning, and then I'd write in the afternoon. God, this sounds so romantic. It was pretty good, was it? Yeah, it was great. It was really good. Do you and speak to, fluent like Mandarin or no, something? No, not or? fluent, but I speak some Mandarin. Yeah, yeah, some. I can, <laughs> some Mandarin. I can recite uh, a couple of books. Uh, well, no, no. I what, can't. You, what you can order stuff in restaurants? Yes, and, yeah. And, and have sort of basic conversations but it's the kind of language where you can get out of your depth so quickly yeah um it's 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 completely not non-intuitive you know there's nothing if you don't know something you, there is no way around it it's not like yeah. if you're in france or italy you can kind of go i i get that you're saying something yeah, yeah. to do with the bag like yeah. in china there's no there is no there, there is no way you would ever get that saying someone is saying something to do with the something it's just not a thing you either know it exactly yeah, right. or you don't I'd, I'd heard a fact that the english language is one of the few languages including things like french and spanish uh is one of the few languages where if you say things in the wrong order mm. people still kind of understand what you're yeah, saying yeah, yeah. but in s- quite a lot of other languages you swap two words around and it means something completely different so I imagine Mandarin is that, but times. Yeah, and also the fact that there's there's just such a um, a small range of different sounds compared to um, English or or Romance languages, you know. So were you there just for the experience? It wasn't like your wife was had a job or sort of. I mean, Megan had just quit her job working for the Times. As, a, as an arts journalist right. and she'd lived in China before for a few months so we just moved back there ostensibly so that she could um, sort of see if she could make it work as a kind of freelance arts journalist writing pieces about China from China wow, which she did for a while yeah um, How, that just seems like such a huge uh, like what if that doesn't happen well, it's sort of also fine because we just rented out my flat mm. and I had plebs to write and fresh meat to write. Okay. You know I mean? So I, yeah, yeah. I, it's not. I, you were sort of working. Yeah, I yeah. was. I was. I had work to do. Um, that that just you know meant that we didn't really need to worry about it. That Did much. you know other people out there? Um, oh, I tell you what. Um, I sp- we spent a lot of time with Des Bishop. Really? The um, yeah Irish American yeah. comedian because uh, he was out there for a year learning Chinese to then do a TV show about learning about being in China. Wow! So we kind of we hung out with him quite a lot. But otherwise, you know, we sort of made made some friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then pr- is this partly what uh, gap year came from being out there, or is it? Yeah, did you do of. a gap? year when you were younger um i did uh both of those but yes to both of those yeah um uh the, the china bits of the show certainly came from you know our experiences when we were there and then i suppose the characters pretty based more on me and my friends when i was 19 yeah it? yeah uh you went to footlights was this was your gap year b- just before you went to it footlights was, yeah, and it when was. you went to are you where are you from a did you go to a prestigious school secondary uh, school or anything I went or to King's College Wimbledon okay so I guess it's, it's the King's College bit school, sounds certainly. posh and then Wimbledon yeah I think it probably I think it kind of is yeah um, but we <laughs> my producer says it is posh yeah no it, it, okay. is, it is kind of posh I don't, I don't uh, I, I didn't even go to university as you can probably yeah, tell yeah yeah <laughs> 
But I, I just I, I wonder what the psyche is when you get get into Cambridge. Like, is there a feeling of dread, or like I'm fucking amazing, or like what? What? It's such a like pinnacle. It's such a place that so few people go to. Yeah. I, is I, it? Yeah. I think. I mean, it's really... Is it dread? Is it like, oh, my God, I've got... There's there's definitely a bit of that. I mean, um, interestingly... I don't mean it be interesting interesting for me. um, Cambridge insisted on me having a gap year. Because I I applied to go that straight after school, and then they said, no, no, you shouldn't do that. That's quite nice of them. Yeah, I guess it is. I mean, it might also have been a bit of an indictment of my personality such as it was back back in the day yeah, god this but guy's boring he needs, can we, he needs, he yeah. needs something I mean come he needs on. to get laid or <laughs> yeah. something well, just you know yeah. that, that wasn't in the letter exactly yeah, yeah, but yeah. that was clearly the subtext <laughs> yeah go um, and take an E in yeah, uh, India bit. or something a little bit yeah, yeah. yeah or maybe really they were like oh, we just can't afford him this year you know what like a sort of football transfer yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe maybe <laughs> uh, and, and then so Obviously, being in Footlights, with in I think even in your year, you like obviously people like Tim and um, I don't know who else. Who else was so in? Mark Watson, yeah. Alex Horn, yeah, uh, Stefan Golajewski, Lloyd yeah. Wolf. Wow. Um, hang on, there must be others. Yeah, I can't there's a few. Now. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you when you're in Footlights, do you just think well, sorted comedy career? Sort of. I mean, you, you definitely. Um, you definitely are aware of the, all of the people that have made a comedy career out of it, yeah. And and the, the sort of regularity with which they've done it to mean that um, it, it does feel it does feel like that's that's a kind of permissible route through life. It would be awfully um, disappointing if you wanted to be a famous comedian so bad, and you're one of the few that literally did, never even got a gig. Yeah, but there probably, of, yeah. there probably are a few. Yeah, probably are. But it is amazing how even still to this day, yeah. it generate it produces all these amazing comedy. Uh, it is, it is, and you know, it's the kind of thing when I was like twenty five, twenty six, I I really, really hated talking about it. Because, really? Yeah, of course, because you know, it wasn't like I'd sort of walked into a TV adaptation of Jeeves and Worcester and was just going well you know I've, I've gone to a good school I went to Cambridge now yeah. I'm doing this thank you very much or even like I was writing jokes for Radio 4 out of Cambridge and like some people do but but it, you know when you kind of take take up your own Edinburgh show you are very much competing with people on on the, about the levelest playing field you can find yeah, yeah. As, a, as a sort of you know as a writer or comedian and yet almost all of the kind of the interviews that I had would start and sometimes end with how responsible Cambridge Footlights is for the fact that I'm a comedian and, and that my comedy has done well in sort of, you know, in critical terms or whatever. Or at least, you know, I won an award or whatever. And and there's part of that where you go, I, I completely get it and I feel I'm extremely lucky to have had that sort of access to particularly those people around me just yeah. inspiring people very funny people who, who who make it clear that it's possible to sort of to, to try and do this for a living and not be alone as well yeah um, but at the same time it's, it, it does grind you down because you, do, you just really get very fed up having to kind of talk, talk about it you, you seem a little bit more okay with it now though uh, these days to be honest with you I think I think these days it's, it's I, I do feel different about it because 
one it, I don't really get asked about it anymore because it was so long ago and two I think I in my 20s I went from being slightly um, you know Reaganite um, this has in no way influenced my success in comedy. I, yeah. I completely reject any correlation between private school, Cambridge Footlights, and comedy career. Uh, and I think that it's bullshit. I think that I was really um, just I, in denial about that. Yeah. I think, but for me, it's not so much that, like, oh, well, you've done that, so therefore you automatically get this. It's more like, what must it feel like being uh, someone in your early 20s in this environment that has all that rich history of people that have come before? Like, just the, the feeling of that. Like, yeah. Because but, but, I, you know, but I think that's where comedy is a, as, a, as a thing, compared to theatre, compared to um, musicals or anything like that, is, is irreverent. It's by nature iconoclastic, you know. You, what you want to do when you when you get there is reinvent it. Yeah, and so and reject what's just definitely, happened. Yeah, definitely, yeah. and and I think that that's when that's the only time that comedy is really good. Yeah, is when it's it resembles rock and roll and people turn up and go. I want nothing to do with the skiffle bands of the of the 1950s. I want to do something completely different that's based on... And then the you ended up in a skiffle band. There you go. <laughs> I ended up in the comedy equivalent of a skiffle band. Uh, where did you meet Sam, who you co-created Plebs with? Uh, I met him in an audition for a Friends Reunited Ident series that I got... No. <laughs> Ooh. And, uh, but he um, he was good friends with my mm. oldest friend Jay Van Tulliken, who's a director. Yeah. Um, and so he'd, I mean, he'd brought me into the audition ostensibly because he wanted to sort of get to know me. Okay. Because he'd sort of seen. That sounds seen a bit stuff. sort of groomy. Yeah, it's compl- it is. It, is. <laughs> it worked for him, didn't it? it? Did, yeah. And you're I, still caught I up in that terrible, relate- <laughs> abusive relationship. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and am, he yeah. was directing the. I, what was he it? was directing the Friends Reunited Ident. Yeah. Which, as you know, did wonders for Friends <laughs> Reunited. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Leifer single-handedly <laughs> destroyed that thing. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So, at what point did you think? Oh, okay, we've got we've got something we're going to write together because that is that is a really tricky uh, thing writing with other people especially duos I think like having yeah. that alchemy being able to tell someone you don't think that idea is good and vice versa you've had it now with with Sam and with Tim uh, you had it as a four piece of cowards uh, like that's quite lucky to have that uh, repeatedly yeah um, yeah except it, it's you hate mis- all of them. <laughs> uh, n- n- well, I, I don't really write with them. You know? Okay. Like I don't. It's I don't sit at a computer with them. Yeah. So even with cowards, we would all write separate sketches. Okay. And then and, and never rewrite each other's sketches, anything like that. Serious. Yeah, yeah. And then bring them in. But you'd give notes and say, I think, and nope. then no, no, nope. because it's so you'd do you'd perform one of the other sketches begrudgingly. It's pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was it was such a flawed system. But what we would do is like we'd have these gigs on Sunday nights of the hen and chickens so a week before we'd all bring in maybe like 10 or 12 sketches that we'd written in the last two or three weeks and we'd read them all out and then we'd pick our favourites as a group we'd vote yeah. on our favourites and then we'd just perform them oh, but we'd never really think to sketch group. Right. yeah well basically yeah and it but I think that's the, the, the brilliant thing about sketches in a way that they are they're kind of single idea things you just they just you just kind of shit it out and if it works great and if it doesn't do another one mm-hmm. but it was anathema to us to go beautiful analogy by the way thanks but yeah. to, to go why don't we um, 
why don't we like work on this sketch to make it better yeah. and it never did that really it's rare, just wrote different yeah. ones yeah I did sketch comedy for a bit and we kind of just sort of improvised them until they were a thing and then did it and then never went back and rewrote until quite late on yeah but that's but that's, that's an equally of, valid way of doing it isn't yeah. it because if you if you well, I imagine there's a more sense of ownership with the sketches in that way for yeah. everybody does sketch comedy as a TV show format is that ever gonna I don't know, man. exist again I don't know I really enjoyed Cowards oh, going thanks. all the way back then yeah when it, BBC Three was a it was a BBC Three show or BBC, BBC Four th- BBC Three um, online right sort of thing and then BBC Four three episodes on TV the, the most gradual uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, promotion yeah. ever known to <laughs> yeah. in TV good news uh, guys yeah. you're going on TV to, you, the channel yeah. that no one sees yeah wow yeah. I thought that, it was great that proved to be quite a good accurate motto for people <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so are you do, you're doing what what season number are you on now of plebs? This is number four. Do you? That's amazing going, man. Are you doing a yeah. fifth as well? Well, I mean, I'd like to. It's the kind of thing that um, you know, it, it's it's it takes time and it's a bit of a ball ache, but. It's so it's so much fun. Like Are you the same with how you worked before, like with Sam, that you just come up with ideas together and then both pr- go and pretty write? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. I think it's just having done three three series and whatever it is, like twenty four episodes of it. I think that if anything, now we just have we can just sniff out the best stories so much quicker. Yeah. So we can be a bit more efficient. Um, but it is it's it's. An incredibly fun show to write, yeah. and we've and we've we cut last series we 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 hired another few writers to come in, so we, mm. we ended up not writing two of the episodes. In fact, just one in the end because we had to sack one of the writers. Okay, and it just felt like um, I know, but it happens. But we yeah. we felt like we've been so stupid to give away an episode of this show because it's about the most fun you can have professionally sort of writing do you that. enjoy writing then yeah I love do it. you yeah do you actually sit do there do you and not like, enjoy it oh it's a it's, uh, it's a I don't know how to describe it it's like this is how I feel about writing I hate it I hate it I hate it oh I love it I hate it I hate it it's like <laughs> I love it's like sex. <laughs> it is a lot like, and that was me during <laughs> sex. I hate this. I hate this. Oh, I love it. No, it was like it's like it just feels sometimes like I want to be doing other things too much. Like I, I guess it's the antisocial aspect of it, and just sitting there on your own. You know, yeah. I much prefer like you know I've been doing a bit of directing the last couple of years as well, and I yeah. like that thing of being in a room with other people making choices together. I understand instinctively as well, rather than like you know the worst thing in the world is to, like you talk about uh, earlier. You talked about ga- gap year being three years in development. I mean, that's what drives me mad. Yeah. When I know a show is definitely going to get made, mm-hmm. like you've got a shoot date and you're writing, then it's sort of fun because you're like, oh, imagine you can visualize it more and you feel confident that this thing's actually gonna but when you're writing in this sort of world of will the BBC like this or will Channel 4 like this or you know I I agree and I think that's also part of the reason why the film industry is in such a terrible state in this country that 
that it almost everyone seems to work on the basis that there is no guaranteeing anything will happen at any point with yeah. anyone's ideas and it's just completely demotivating this almost feels like there's no point and just how long people want to develop for as yeah. well yeah you know alice Lowe made a film last year she wrote it in like four months and yeah. shot it and with the exception of maybe like budgetary constraints or when she wrote it she probably had to go well I can't set this there because yeah. it's you yeah. know we haven't got the money or whatever so if there's if there's any shortcomings I loved it but if there was it was probably because she had a very strict parameter yeah, yeah. but she went and made a brilliant film and which kind of, you kind of go well does it, see it doesn't take six years to no, develop look, something I, I agree but what it what the, the only real lesson you can deduce from it is that the way that you kind of make good films as a British person is by completely ignoring any assistance or subsidy from yeah. anyone within the kind of official film industry because they will waste your time yeah and that's a that's pretty a really terrible positive lesson. message no but I don't I honestly like I don't really have you had some bad experiences yeah with but not but like not ter- like not not unusual yeah just I've just had experiences yeah, that yeah. you have when you try you probably have positive films. ones yeah probably on balance <laughs> but they still nice feel people. they still feel like yeah completely yeah. but but nevertheless it does it, when someone like Ben Wheatley or, or Alice Lowe makes a film in the way you're describing or, yeah. or someone like you know Shane Meadows even makes a film in that manner yeah the film industry is quite quick to try and take credit for it even though the reason that they've done it is to, in order to not get bogged down with people in the film industry um, because that is the only way that they're going to guarantee that their film will ever be made positive feel good about yeah sorry it. yeah sorry no it's I mean listen you're you're in the right place we I bitch and moan about the state of the film industry yeah. all the time but it's just um, but, but as I say I don't think I, I really don't think it's a it, 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 it's about people uh, making bad decisions even no or even being like sort it's of almost the system it, it's yeah it's just it's just the nature of the risk yeah involved yeah yeah in, right in it uh, so do you because we should mention uh, you're, you're currently in uh, BBC2 show at the moment Quacks which I watched yeah. the first episode you uh, this is like the first thing I can think of for you in a while to correct me if I'm wrong where you well, this could go anyway <laughs> you're looking at me like what yeah. is he gonna uh, where you have sort of starred in like you're one of the leads in a show that you haven't written or been involved in the production of is that right yeah 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 you were in the wrong man's right but that was yes. more a supporting role yes uh, and you did end up writing on yeah, that show right some of that, yeah. um so was this fun to do just to yeah, turn up great. and say that i mean it looks like a lot of fun it was great fun why do we all want to do victorian period stuff is it victorian i'm sure it is victorian yeah. i think um the, it's the costumes are good yeah the locations are fun it's all set in london anyway yeah. you don't have to go very far <laughs> yeah. you can't really do it at wimbledon studios anyway um i mean it it's just it's a it's a joy it's the kind of reason you get into acting in a way that i think you know for for the sort of rather trained people they probably like nothing more than doing a period drama yeah 
and um, and we don't in comedy you just don't get to do it as much as well so it's no, even more like no, there are really. always going to be period dramas but yeah. period comedies will happen once every seven years or yeah, yeah, whatever right. and yeah. and it's such a great cast as well and uh, yeah brilliant yeah so um, I wasn't massively familiar with the like the people the team behind the show who who was I, I'm not even sure if I actually saw the credits to be honest well, that'll I, be why why yeah, that will be why yeah uh, no I'm just thinking did I just reel off the credits no I'm just thinking did I look and f- and didn't know the names or have I d- did I just like not look um, who, who who wrote the show so it's written by James Wood who okay. wrote Rev okay yeah. and uh, Ambassadors and okay. uh, Decline of Thought recently um, so he's you know he's He's really great at. Is he a playwright as well? Like comedy drama thing. Um, no, I, I don't, don't think he is a playwright. Really. Yeah. He's a. He's a. You know. He's a screenwriter. Yeah. Yeah, um, I didn't see Rise and Fall. Was that the Cumberbatch? Decline and Fall. That Decline of Jack, no, Jack, Jack Whitehall. Jack Whitehall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And that was a drama, was it? That was well, it was a comedy, really. Yeah. It's comedy drama. Okay. Um, and uh, how is the show doing? I don't know. I think, um, I think it's hard the, to tell the, in this day and age, isn't it? Yeah, it it is really. I mean, I think it's. I think the first episode got good numbers. Yeah. But what that means going forward, I don't know. And also, it's all available on iPlayer already. Yeah. So, and I think that's a fairly new thing for BBC to do that. So, I don't know if that's good or bad. And you know, it came out over the uh, August holidays. Right. The, you know, yeah. school holidays, which isn't hugely Beautiful. helpful. The wonderful times. Yeah, it's quite yeah. annoying that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's doing. I think it's doing really well. You know, critically, it's doing well. I think um, it's always better to get a terrible slot because when they pump promotion into a show yeah. and it doesn't do well, you're you're doomed. But if yeah. a show they didn't really go hell for leather with just does okay, they'll be like, okay, maybe we'll put a bit more. But you just you can't. If, yeah. You know, if a show opens big and then drops the next episode, everyone's disappointed. I know. Just got to start small build, is my. But I remember, lady like, when we. The first thing I did with Sam Lethal was this pilot called Brave Young Men. Yeah, I remember that. Did that you? was with Mark Wooten. That's as well. right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they put that out, no lie, at uh, 1 a.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> so it's hey, technically a Monday. Don't knock. <laughs> technically a Monday. 1 a.m. And then they come back to us and go, oh, it just didn't get the ratings. And you're like, okay, well, first of all, <laughs> there's, the t- there's the slot. But also, it's a pilot. Like, yeah. Like, there is. A, there is no way that the fault of not getting ratings can be levelled at the people who made the show when it's a pilot. Yeah, it's completely out of your control. Yeah. Well, look, the um, the, the McGregor and Mayweather fights at five a.m., so yeah, they might okay. be complaining about their time slot. But that's what they're, you know, comparing it to. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> the <laughs> they problem. should have done with your pilot with Mark Wooden. They should have done a pay per view. Yeah, they should have. That done. would have fucking they gone nuts. Done. That yeah, would have done. Introduce some MMA. <laughs> Uh, well, I hope the show goes well. And did, uh, is Gap Year, is that, do you know, are you going to be doing more of that? No, we're not doing no? more of that, no. And um, in a for way, all, all the reasons I talked about earlier, I, yeah. I, I don't hate that decision. Yeah. I, 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 was, I, I was sad that it was like that the channel didn't push it harder. Yeah. And that they did things like they, they forced the name on me, or the title of the show on me as okay. well, you know, that kind of thing. What was your title? We had loads, but yeah. it was called Foreign Bodies all through production. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's much better. It sounds a bit kind of 
could be like one of those um, Scandinavian thrillers, though. Couldn't yeah. It? Well, this is it. Is that <laughs> if you if you're looking for a title to deliver with absolute clarity that this is about people on a gap year, mm. then Foreign Bodies is definitely not as good as Gap Year. No. You know? I blame Judd Apatow for the. It says it does what it says on the tin. It's, it's terrible. Is this? I mean, there are genu- genuinely films called Horrible Bosses. Yeah. There when are. you think about that and you sort of think how has this happened that we're being infantilised this much that they have to call a film Horrible Bosses well the, the irony of that because I've seen the first one anyway is that isn't really even the main point of the come film come on well it's like what that they it? kill like sort of their bosses the <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so they could have gone killing your horrible bosses okay, and that would okay. have been even more like oh okay I know what that film is <laughs> yeah yeah, I've, oh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous but the, the bosses aren't nice are they That's, they're not nice okay. Fine. But they are quite funny. Yeah. Well, ish. Okay. I, that film I had a bit of a problem with. I'm like, I just don't buy these people would kill. Just don't. Yeah. And also, yeah. Better anyway, title. listen, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, well, that's. Well, I would say that's a shame, but it sounds like you're actually at peace with that decision. And considering yeah. that I've just discovered that you love right, you actually love writing. You call it fun. No, I don't. I don't and love you it all the time. You described that as a ho- horrible experience. Yeah, but don't get me wrong. I don't love it all the time. It's really frustrating. And yeah. it can be, and it can be like getting blood out of a stone. But you know, when it's fun, I, 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 there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. Um, we're going to move on to uh, the last piece, which we haven't talked about yet. Um, we haven't. I'm, I'm hoping you've picked something for me to discuss with you. What, what do you mean? The guilty pleasure. Oh, yeah. Okay. You haven't picked anything. I have. <laughs> <laughs> or have I? Normally, we find out before. Or um, have I? Or have you? <laughs> Is this you, like, you know, scrambling for extra no, time no, no. to think I, of... I have thought about something yeah. that, that, is, uh, that we can talk about. Okay. Yeah. All right, so yeah. do you want to do that now? Sure. Yeah, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I present you Tom Basden's Guilty Pleasure. And before I do this... Yeah. Sorry, I've slightly messed with your format here. Um, it's not like one... Th- it should it be one thing? It can be... Look, we're, we're slightly changing the rules lately, so... Okay. Because what I was going to say is that the, the mic... So I've really... It's fine. ...not doing well on this um, <laughs> the show. Um, but my, my guilty pleasure, really, is um, sort of modern... Chinese movies that um, that no one will ever see here. Okay, but some of them are really worth seeing because they're really weird, and but in a kind of like fun, interesting way. In a kind of like it, it, it sounds very patronising. I don't mean it to be. They're really good as well. Some of them, mm-hmm. but they also it's when when you watch Chinese. Um, mainstream blockbusters, particularly kind of rom-coms and things, you realise just how um, incredibly formulaic everything that that comes out of America is, and like how sort of deeply um, genre-defined everything yeah. is. And and for that, it's really really worth doing. What can you uh, give an example of some films? Because so, in a way, it sounds like you could be, you know, this isn't really like a review show too much, or like I don't claim to be yeah. a sort of um, cineast or anything but it sounds like you talk about these modern Chinese uh, movies and it could be like you know it could sound very intellectual or like uh, very but the thing is that they're not they're not films like there are are Chinese directors who are kind of really well known on the arty circuit like your kind of Jangy Moors and your and your Jar Jankers and people like that and and Kermode will be will know it'll be very clued up on them and then there's sort of stuff that gets released in cinemas and he won't have seen any of it 
Yeah. Um, and I'd almost... For mostly a Chinese audience. Entirely yeah. a Chinese audience, but potentially other sort of Asian countries. Are, and in, are they th- thrillers? Are they comedies? So are they... there's... Uh, I mean... Um, there's a film called Silent Witness that was made... Um, uh, a few years ago, nothing to do with the BBC um, yep. coroner drama, um, which is about a, a court case in which the guy um, is accused of killing his daughter, but he ha- and it's it's so odd and brilliant, and the kind of denouement is there's like five twists in it, yeah, and um, and it's just so enjoyable. But it's the only reason that I kind of watch these films is because from being in China and, and sometimes you go to the cinema and, and it's just you know it may be that it's got English subtitles and you just see whatever's on, or being on a plane and wanting to watch a Chinese movie because I just want to sort of you know yeah. practice hearing Mandarin and stuff and it's just really fascinating to me that like there is there is sort of no movement at all outside China to go people should maybe watch some of these films in the way that even something like Bollywood mm-hmm. does get the odd Bollywood festival or people talking about Bollywood films or Channel 4 showing the odd yeah, Bollywood yeah. film and, and there's, there's just a lot of Chinese films that I've seen um, that are really worth watching because for, for anyone particularly for anyone who wants to sort of know anything of what's going on in China um, so like So Young is a really interesting film um, which starts off as a kind of like a campus university kind of like rom-com uh, like, and then turns into these kind of adults reflecting on um, their kind of broken dreams and someone dies and it's just it's just to- like tonally it's all over the place in a good way great way yeah great what, what, what's So Young Did So Young you? yeah So Young okay um, and can you watch these without reading subtitles are you that no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> but, but Chinese people can't. Oh, okay. Why? Because because Mandarin's crazy. Okay. So like, and also because China is sort of is so big that all, all different parts of China speak different versions of of Chinese, very different versions of Chinese. They all use the same alphabet characters, but yeah. sound completely different. So everything on TV is subtitled. Wow. Because it would be a nightmare to try and make people just listen to things. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that weird being in a... I mean, I know it's... So radio is a very bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) This show is massive there. Yeah. Um, And the subtitles really help. The... uh, Isn't it... I know it's a huge country with, you know, so many people in it, but um, isn't it weird to be in a country where you need subtitles for your own language? If Yeah. That's... Yeah, yeah. That's pretty mental. Yeah. But it's it's an incredibly inefficient system like that there. yeah well Tom it's been a delight talking to you likewise um, Is, are we done we're pretty much done yeah. we're just going to play out with your second oh choice my God, of song someone's just here we go someone just um, is, that, is that the producer just Oh yeah, we've got, little, screen, we've got a little synopsis for Silent Witness. Silent Witness. The murder of a to-be stepmom is being prosecuted with apparently clinching evidence. The father holds his accused daughter innocent. The faithful driver and his seemingly slight amorous wife are involved. Further differing evidence spouts. Further differing evidence spouts, to say the least. That was the original title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to uh, check these two out. Uh, Silent Witness. The, thing, the, other, the other thing is the subtext of Silent Witness is that the younger generation are all profligate idiots and that the older Chinese generation are sort of holding the country together and that's what's really interesting about it wow that wouldn't go down well as a message here no 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 Uh, a lot of Chinese messages wouldn't go down well (laughs) 
they don't need subtitles so your second song yeah that you picked isn't technically from uh, the screen no but maybe one day it will be I'm I d- sure it will they must be doing this um, you know I'm not a massive I, I like some musicals but yeah. I'm not like a uh, I'd go to see musicals all the time but this is one of those ones that even if you're not into musicals it's just an absolute joy yeah from I start agree. to finish I mean yeah. it's it's ridiculous I kind of find it bizarre that this uh, we're talking about um, the Book of Mormon of course I'm finding it bizarre that a show that is that kind of almost uh, edgy or left field if you like or it appeals to so many people yeah like the, the writers of South Park which you would think is a bit of a niche well, not niche, but like for a certain taste, have somehow pulled off. Maybe, but you know, I, I think South Park's one of the best TV shows. Uh, you know, in, in but my mum wouldn't years. watch South Park, but she would probably enjoy Book of Mormon. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, like that's an amazing. Well, no, I agree. A lot of people are put off with South Park because of the sort of voices and stuff, and it's quite well. Also, it's weird. crude and. Yeah. But who doesn't like poop and farts I mean, and? It's so sophisticated. <laughs> it's, it's, I know. It's, uh, the satire on it is just phenomenal. I haven't seen it in years. I mean, you, you've got to go. You just work your way through recent yeah. series. You really won't be disappointed. Really, so, is yeah, it it's still? Brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, I think. Um, what was the uh, what was the puppet one? Oh my god, I've gone blank. Oh, Team America. Team America. Yeah, it's genius. One of my favourite. Yeah. Uh, I mean comedy films aren't coming out every week good ones are they so I mean that probably is one of the funniest in the last 10 years or something might be longer now so but you've picked this song because clearly you love these guys and And I I remember going to see this this show and um and likewise, I, I, you know, I, you know, I, I've never been an enormous fan of musicals in the past. But when this the show started, I was just smiling. Yeah. And it's really rare that I sort of watch stuff and I'm just kind of smiling and I'm able to just enjoy it. Yeah. Without thinking about how it was made or what choices the the, the creators made. You know? Yeah. And um, and that didn't really stop until until the end. I just just loved it. Oh, it's well, it's a great choice. Thank you, Tom. Not at all. And uh, good Thanks luck with the rest me. of oh, it's my life. <laughs> good luck with the rest of your life. Thanks, um, I've got some bad news. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, good luck with the rest of Quacks. I hope it returns. Thank You've you. probably got no news on that yet. But okay. Um, okay. this is ironically, hello. Love yeah. It. yeah. I love what you did your voice there as well. <laughs> uh, from the original cast of yeah, Book of Mormon. Hello, my name is Elder Price, and I would like to share with you the most amazing book. Hello, my name is Elder Grant. It's a book about America a long, long time ago. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes.